0: Listening to Spitball with Adri Ballhawk Mallows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to the week nine episode of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Ballhawk Mallows. With me this week is my right-hand man and co-host, Marcus, Marcus Innuendo, Innuendo Bingo. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Very good. Excellent. And how have you been since our last recording? Not bad, thank you. Not bad at all. Busy life well. at uni? Quite busy, yes. Excellent. No worries. Yeah, uh, my week's not been too bad. It's all a little bit of a downer, really, since uh, since me and Heather fell on my birthday. It's um, it's all been a bit downhill since then. But let's uh, crack on. We've got a bit
1: bit mundane back here in uh, England,
0: is it? That's it. Yeah, compared to uh Town, the windy city. Um, and it wasn't just windy because I was there um let's move <laughs> we have a lot to cover this week including a record tied by a quarterback this week so let's crack on with the show let's start this week with the monday night game between chicago and green bay what were your thoughts on this one
1: marcus uh, it's really interesting i mean it turned itself on its head very early on once of course aaron Rodgers went out the game and I think that's what most people have been sort of talking about when they reflected on like the review of the game. But you have to remember that Chicago came in with a backup quarterback to start, you know. They had Josh McCowan in instead of Jay Cutler. So this was the battle of the backups, really.
0: Yeah, very true. Obviously Cutler being down and, and out for a couple more weeks potentially and then yeah, like you say, when when Rogers went down now the Initial scan, I believe, is that he has a small fracture in his collarbone, so it could mean yep, about three weeks collarbone. off.
1: Well, they're talking about him not coming back to December now. Really? Yeah. I suppose, yeah, that um, would be
0: about three weeks, wouldn't it? Yeah,
1: about three weeks. So they're looking, you know, probably looking into the sort of late-teen sort of weeks in in games. We're talking sort of weeks 12, 13 in that respect. Yeah, so bearing in mind Green Bay are now down
0: Rodgers, obviously Cutler isn't playing in chicago leaves the only one of the three top teams in that nfc north with their starting quarterback being detroit lions um, with matthew stafford how do you see that division going over the next few
1: weeks well it depends um if the rumors are are right and that um cutler's going to be fit enough to take on detroit when they come into soldier field uh, on sunday then it could really sort of could be a, a real tough one i mean the way you look at the division now, which all of them all plugged at 5-3, and three, I mean, it's really quite interesting. I mean, three teams on 5-3, and three, that's such an open division. It's, it's unbelievable. I'm
0: not sure that I believe that Cutler will be back, though, because he got injured... A couple of weeks ago, when I was out in Chicago, and they reckoned it would be out for about four weeks with this groin.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, this is just going off uh, online sources. I mean, I know stuff like NFL.com, ESPN. I don't know how up to date they are, and of course, a lot of time players try and say they'll come back earlier. They'll try and fight through what what you could do, actually call say a sort of false sense of you know fitness. You know, oh, I feel okay, and then really it's 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 being ready on the field and such. It's such a different sort of balance. I mean. Going back to work, as in, say, for you and I and going back to work for them, that's two different levels of fitness. So who knows? If he is back, it make a massive difference because, of course, uh, interdivision game is going to make, I think it's going to really sort of pay dividends for Detroit if they can, you know, keep doing what they're doing. And they've got to play Green Bay and They've got to play, like, say, coming up this Sunday, they're going to take on uh, the Bears. It could really, they could pull ahead from the rest of the pack if uh, if they wanted to. It's theirs for the taking.
0: So, are you going to put your money on Lions? And I'm going to put you on the spot here, because we've got all three teams at 5-3 and three at the moment, and do you think the Lions can take
1: advantage of the opportunity they have in front of them right now? At the moment, I'm going to say I think they can. Yes, I think they can. I mean, at the moment, technically, with the divisional record and the conference wins, they actually sit actually on top of that. I know it's weird to say they're all 5-3, and three, but technically, because they actually have a slightly better conference record, they are actually division winners at the moment, and... uh you know, if if, if it ended today, the they'd be going through.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the Lions are in a very comfortable position right now. Um, even though, as you say, they've got tied records. How about then New England's win over Pittsburgh? What did you take from that one? What did we learn from that game?
1: Well, it's great to see actually uh, Brady getting back to what he does. He's had a couple of weeks where he just hasn't really clicked. The emergence of Gronk was a massive thing. I mean, over 150 yards. The guy was back to being Gronk. Really, that was what we were used to seeing last year. Brady to Gronk, and it. it worked so well and really took that in i mean the uh, the pittsburgh defense isn't as strong as it could be um, but still i think putting that many points up on on a pittsburgh team is just impressive what
0: did you make of the arm brace that
1: gronk's wearing the, i don't know i mean i think it, it's clever to be to be safer than sort of trying to play over your limitations i think sometimes you see a lot of players try and play without the the aids that are there you know the the padding the protections I think they're there for a reason and you've you've got to play sensible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So moving on from that one then, obviously I think you know I want to talk about the Buffalo-Kansas game. I don't think that really comes as much of a surprise because in all honesty, despite the score, you'd have to say, obviously blow my own trumpet (laughs) quite nicely here, but you'd have to say that I was pretty spot on with the analysis I
1: gave of the game
0: last week in my...
1: Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you take out a 100-yard interception return for a touchdown and, you know... We're effectively looking here at, well, was that going to be a 16-13 game without that uh, score?
0: Well, it's not just that. It's their offence didn't score any touchdowns. It you was know, two I mean, defensive touchdowns, uh, two field goals and two, possibly three field goals. Sorry, and that was the game.
1: That what was it. It was uh, the interception. What was the other one? Fumble. That was it. That yeah. Was, the f- uh, Tamba Haley had the um, fumble return.
0: He did, yeah. it was. Um, I think it might have been Berry that punched the ball out. From TJ Graham and then Tambor obviously ran it in for the score. But yeah, when you look at it, I so, say, I mean, our defence kept them to 210 total offensive yards. And again, as great as their defence was because they got the turnovers and the all important scores. They still gave up 241 yards to a Bills rushing attack.
1: I mean, that was really impressive. Filler had what over 100 yards on the day.
0: Yeah, and he had that monster run for about 60 yards. When he then he pulled up on his ankle, and I was thinking, oh, no, don't tell me he's going to be out again." But luckily, he came back in and and carried on rushing hard. And Fred Jackson just picked up the pieces in between. No, absolutely. If you ru- if your running back gave you 4.3 yards as an average, you'd be really happy with that. Because you, it's although having said that, if you obviously three passes and you've got a first down anyway because you're only looking to get 10 yards so it's it's not a great average but it's an effective average and we'll we'll keep the chains moving. Yeah but at
1: the same time you just sit there, okay I know McCluster dropped that big play um, Oh in the middle.
0: that was a monster drop, I don't even know what he was thinking when he was dropping that ball. No
1: idea but I mean even that, that's that's another 40 yards on so say we tack that on that's still 20, 20 completions for say um, 160, 170 yards I mean, he does what he does, but at the same time, they have no real red zone threat. I mean, once you get them into the red zone, they they just bottle up and you're making them kick freeze. Ryan Suckup had a 27-yard field goal. The only time you're having 27-yard field goals is really because you're failing to produce in the red zone.
0: Yeah, and uh, one final thing then on the on the Buffalo-Kansas game, because I could talk about this one and dissect it for ages, and it's just so frustrating that we, we basically we we killed ourselves in that game. I think everyone's pretty much in agreement to say we, we did everything right on defence. We contained them, we bottled them up, we kept them to field goals. On offence, we were running the ball well, and then it was just that 14-point swing, that 100-yard interception return by Steve Smith that just took the game on its head. But... I saw on Twitter before the game actually that someone said that uh, Jeff Chul was going to throw two touchdowns and if you include that, he certainly did.
1: (laughs) I would have liked to have seen uh, a healthy uh, Manuel because I think, to be fair, EJ Manuel backing your team really makes it click.
0: Oh, doesn't he just?
1: Yeah, I mean, nothing against Tool. He's, he's, He's come in and he's done an effective job but I, just, I I think Manuel had a much more fairer head on him and he knew what he was... I mean, as a rookie, he was very much poised. Yeah, I would agree we, we with that. Saw, we only saw a brief bit of it, but you could definitely see the poise that he brought from college and he's very much well adjusted to the game.
0: And the only NFL thing he levels. needs to do, the only criticism I would have of Manuel so far is the guy needs to learn how to hold on to the ball when he's being hit because the amount of times we would be driving um, and he'd just be like, oh, fumble liar, Manuel's done it again, obviously, because he's been hit and then sometimes in critical conditions, sorry, not critical conditions, but critical positions near our own goal line in our own red zone, just giving up fumbles when he gets sacked. But it's his rookie season, so he's obviously got a lot to learn, and um, as you say, moving forward, he'll be the one to take the team forward. Before we get to the Eagles-Raiders match, are there any other games you want to talk about this week, mate?
1: Well, there's a few of them. I mean, what really stuck out for me was the amount of comeback wins this week. We had uh, comeback wins from Indianapolis and Seattle this week.
0: Yeah, and big ones as well. Romo doing his thing, finally coming through in the
1: clutch. I mean, uh, you don't normally have two overtime games as well. We had the Washington-San Diego went overtime, and uh, Seattle-Tampa went overtime. But there were so many games where the favourites were suddenly down like big points we're talking 21 21 points in the case of like seattle I think Indianapolis was like 17, and they're coming back from such differentials to to come out with wins.
0: Yeah, there were three overtime games this week, mate. Don't forget the Thursday night game between Miami oh, and of Cincinnati. Of Thursday
1: night game, yes. Yeah. There you go. I mean, three in one week—that's that's crazy. I mean, firstly, the crazy, the safety thing. That was that was an amazing game to watch.
0: Yeah. How often that. do you see a game settled by a safety like that? It doesn't happen very often at all, does it?
1: No, very often at all. No. You could almost see it is. It was going to be that that week where everyone gets upset, and then they just brought it back from the brink it was like the hero came in at the last minute and saved the day it was it, it was it was exhilarating to watch
0: yeah i can't believe i still can't believe that seattle result to be honest with you what a great performance what a great comeback i did not see that coming at
1: all oh no i mean to be fair tampa really they came out with their game plan and they really had it set and it's actually a shame because i i think almost watching that it from the first quarter they deserved to win I I think they deserved the win. But uh, of course if you're gonna let twenty one points slip away, I I can't actually say you, you deserve the win if you're gonna let that much of a, an advantage slip.
0: Yeah, same with Houston, right? Because they let a massive lead slip as well. They were twenty one three upper yeah, twenty one think... three
1: up at, yeah, at half time, I believe. If you're gonna let stuff like that slip, you know, the, you've got him in the fact I mean, great on Keenum coming in and I mean, um, you know, our, our prayers are with uh the Houston head coach, um, who, who unfortunately had uh what seemed to be like a an attack or a, a sort of an episode on the sidelines. Uh, we really wish him the best. Same yeah, with, absolutely. Uh, John Fox. Oh, that's Fox.
0: um. No, that's Denver, buddy. Uh, no,
1: no. Yeah, John Fox uh, had a collapse earlier this week, and then on the sidelines, I can't remember uh, the name of the Houston head coach. He uh, had to get rushed to, rushed hospital mid game. Oh,
0: it's um. So Gary Kubiak, uh, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Kubiak, Thank you. Um, yeah. Collapsed mid-game, had to get rushed to hospital. So two head coaches went down this week as well with um, heart-related stress illnesses, sort of that sort of thing, not quite heart attacks. Both saying neither of them, uh, the press is saying both neither of them have had heart attacks, but um, both sort of stress-related cardio episodes, as it were.
0: Uh, Right, well, as you say, yeah, we wish them both a full and speedy recovery. Absolutely, and don't like to see that on a a Sunday or any day of the week, really. So, Godspeed to both of them, and uh, we hope they get better soon. So, let's now finish off with the Raiders game against the Eagles. Um, Were the Eagles that good, or did the Raiders just not turn up?
1: The Raiders are just that bad. Not taking anything away from Foles, because you know what? He understood, and this was the perfect platform which we got to see, the Chip Kelly offense. I mean, this is what he wanted. This is basically what he wanted to come out at the beginning of the year and do. And we finally got to see what devastation it can cause if the defense isn't prepared for it, hasn't actually trained right, and hasn't set a proper game plan against such uh, an offensive powerhouse that literally gets enveloped on them.
0: Yeah, there was that big play that didn't result in a touchdown as well. Was it about 40-odd yards, one of the first passes to Riley Cooper down the sideline when they were backed up?
1: Yeah, um, Cooper had a uh, monster day, 130 yards, three touchdowns. Deshaun Jackson, I think he had about 150 yards and a touchdown. I mean, there was there was such a weakness in the, the, the rate of secondary. They couldn't compensate. They couldn't work out how they would adjust. And they just lit, literally just kept getting run over. Every time they adjusted, like a chess match, um, Coach Kelly was just a step ahead and he just swapped the next formation, the next read, the next look, and bang, they're burned again.
0: Yeah, and as you say, despite the fact that you might not want to give Nick Foles credit for it, ultimately it is down to the quarterback to see the receivers getting an open and put the uh, the ball on the money, as they say. Oh yeah,
1: he's he's literally taken this, this offence and he's really Im- implied it to the best of his knowledge. Almost going for the idea is that you know he's the backup. He's not just in because Vic is hurt. He's he's in because he wants to win this starting job as well. He wants to stay starter even when Vic comes back healthy. Don't think he will because I think um, Chip Kelly is enamoured with trying to make Vic and his legs work within his offense. But yeah, you can definitely see him him wanting to sort of progress himself, maybe sell himself to the rest of the league, try and get a starting job somewhere next year.
0: And one final point on Riley Cooper. Do we think his teammates have forgiven him for his preseason comments?
1: Um, I don't know if they have. I...
0: <laughs> Could we pick anything up from the way they were celebrating with him for his touchdowns or or lack of?
1: To be fair, that's not what I really focused on this week. I, I know I noted know noted the guy's performance. To be fair, I'm still I'm still a bit miffed because I I don't think stuff like that should just easily be brushed under the carpet because the guy's playing well.
0: Yeah, I I 100% agree. I think it's very difficult for comments like that to be taken lightly in the first place and then you obviously have to have a degree of professionalism when you're playing with the guy but then i suppose do you have to get on with him
1: i mean it's for the best of the team i guess at the end of the day you're playing for the best of the team unfortunately so stuff like this sometimes you just have to you have to be told to be the bigger man and just just fight on through it and think of think of the next sunday and think of the next game and just just focus on that. Oh,
0: y'all want to play? Okay. Here
1: we go. We've got Gun Hulk left slot.
0: Dixie left, Key left. Mercedes, wide chip Ricky. Zebra left, 75, Katie. Omaha, quickly. We now move on to what grinds Marcus's gears. You know what really grinds my gears? What's been bugging you this week, buddy? Well,
1: it's quite apt because we've just literally come off this subject. You know what's really grind my gears this week? It's racism in football. Some of you might have seen about um, Miami... Uh, Offensive lineman Incognito and his uh, firing from the team for his racial bullying. Really? Um, this yes. Um, this uh, with what we were talking about about Riley Cooper and his uh, his comments made in the off season. It's literally, guys. This is this is 2013 now. We're in a multicultural community world sort of bearing here. This is this is a league of all sort of creeds and colors. We this sort of thing you just can't have it in this day and age, guys. We have to like grow up. We are all harmoniously together this is this is football we're talking about it's supposed to be a sport where a team of gladiators coming together brothers in arms fighting side by side stuff like this is just it's really downgrading i mean we're seeing it in the the soccer game i mean there's all this talk about like russia and the problems that that's doing and the 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 social ramifications it has taking taking sport into these sort of predicaments and trying to find ways of beating it you know all these incentives and initiatives to try and you know kick racism out of football and so many other sort of causalities that you're trying to to stop this happening and yet in this day and age we're we're still unfortunately being so bigoted and small-minded it's it's really a shame because at the end of the day this is not what we want to see these are not the headlines that should be making football
0: but on a plus note you say the dolphins fired him because of it right
1: the dolphins did fire it have to act for them for their swift Swift, suddenly, nature. I mean, we don't know how far this has gone on. It's only just literally been reported this morning. That is of uh, Tuesday the 5th of November. For anyone who's listening back to this, that they've literally fired him. But you'll probably read about it in the next upcoming weeks. It's unfortunate because it's not a headline that after a week of some really, really good football, that unfortunately now we're not focusing on that and this has taken centre stage. And unfortunately stuff like this just grinds my gears because it just shouldn't even be in this but unfortunately there's always going to be a minority who will unfortunately just let the entire side down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just like as you say in soccer, in football, there's no room for racism, so let's get it out and follow Miami's lead and if there's any instances of this sort of thing just can the player there and then and set an example to say that this sort of thing just will not be tolerated 100%.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think that's the the way. It's basically, literally, you, you hit the nail on the head there that if even anything's there, you investigate it and you, you cut out the bad source immediately.
0: Getting back to football before we move on to our terminology, just reminding myself of a couple of things I wanted to mention this week that I even forgot to talk about in the blog. And what I find amazing is the way that the modern day cornerback is playing like wide receiver. So, for example, did you see Alford's pick against Seattle? Yes, yes, I did. What a great pick just to keep his feet in at the back of the end zone. Obviously, it had been given up by the Seattle receiver, and he's just decided that he's going to go there and make the pick. And he just, that that subtle little right foot in, left foot toe drag. I mean, how amazing is that?
1: That's what I love to see because Tampa, you know what? They could have their heads down. You know what, guys? You're 0 and 8 now. I mean, you were 0 and 7. But the idea is you're winless, you've got nothing to fight for, you ain't going anywhere, you ain't going to get to the playoffs, you know, but they're still fighting with heart ball that the offensive player is giving up a point, you still want that ball you want to make it yours, and you know what you want to make a play for your team to give you your team the opportunity to win, god damn it and Yes, I loved it because it showed the heart of that team. To be fair, James had a brilliant game on the ground. I mean, like 150 yards. I mean, brilliant taking over for, you know, where, where um, Doug Martin left off last year.
0: Yeah, and didn't but he also have a... Um, sorry, mate, to interrupt you there. Wasn't it James that also had that jump pass touchdown as well? Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, would definitely recommend people... Fan, fans of Tebow will love it. Go, go and try and grab a hold of that and see, see the little death play. But it was so... That's what I mean. Imaginative. Coming up with ways to win. I mean... But unfortunately, they did start losing their heads. Once Seattle came back in the game, you could see that they realised that the class was there and they sort of let their heads dip and they let them put that sort of point differential back on them. That's such a shame. because, But that, it's that heart, that heart, and I love it because cornerbacks, you see some of them. We, we watched the Packers game and um, House was literally playing his socks off. Unfortunately, he gave up the, two, uh, the touchdown to, to Marshall and to Jeffrey. But both Mm -hmm. times, he's in literally perfect coverage. It's taken freak throws and freak, you know, real extra beyond the the play by the receiver to make them. And I think as it's becoming more of a passing league, cornerbacks are having to play more aggressive and take more risks. Like you said, play a bit more wide receiver to try and make plays on the ball. It's it's leading to a lot more bigger show-stopping, bigger catches, bigger after-play sort of, after-contact runs. You know, that's why a lot of times you'll see that first... That first contact gets blown off by the receiver and he's suddenly made 60 yards. It's because they're taking extra risk to try and get the interception, try and get the turnover, try and bat the ball down, make the play for their team. Um, but I think it's needed. It's the way the league's going is that as, as it's becoming easier for the, the wide receivers and the quarterbacks, cornerbacks, you're going to have to come in, you're going to take a bit more risk.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll we'll leave that there and we'll come back to some, some more football talk later on in the show. I'm eating burritos bigger than you. It's time to go eat, baby. Let's eat. You got some hungry dogs over here. Apple. Orange, orange. Hot potato. Uh, I don't want no crackers. Hungry, man. I gotta eat it. of them. he hungry. Man, you guys didn't eat your weedies this morning, did you? We eating all day, bro. We'll grind these guys up
1: and turn them into little bitty eagle meatballs.
0: Welcome to Football 101 with Professor Ballhawk. And his fantastic teaching assistant, Marcus Henson, who does all the work for him, so he can take the credit. So, <laughs> <laughs> I need the
1: credit for university, that's why.
0: Uh, well, yeah, that's it. It's all extra credit for you, isn't it, buddy? Legend credit, there we go. <laughs> Excellent. So, first up this week, I'm pretty sure we haven't covered this one yet, so can you explain a false start
1: Right, both start guys is, is referred to as sort of a movement by an offensive player um, after they've taken what we call set position. So, with your like offensive lineman, you might see the guys they sort of squat down. They might put a hand on the ground, and once you you set both feet and set yourself down, then you you pretty much you are frozen to that spot until the play begins, until the snap of the ball. Um, for wide receivers, that tends to be when both sets uh, both feet are then set either on the line of scrimmage or whether you're behind the line of scrimmage, and you normally make a movement to the, the line judge um, to tell them whether you're on and off. After such time, you're then frozen up after that point once you've let the, the referee know where you are in, in relation to the field. Um, basically, any any movement, I mean, sometimes it can be even the, the, the twitch. I mean, I know that a lot of owners are unhappy about this and they say that the rule is too stringent, but even a twitch can set off that, you know, if you set off the defensive player through your twitch, um, a flag will come in. So you really are sort of frozen to the spot until the snap of the ball. Um, and literally, it's a, it's a five-yard penalty for uh, if you do incur this. So the offence will then have to go backwards five yards. Uh, but
0: And then repeat the down. So five yards backwards and repeat the down, whichever down it be.
1: Exactly. Um, it's, for- it's what we... Sorry?
0: Yeah, sorry dude, I was just going to say the uh, the funniest false starts for me are always when a centre gets called for a false start, bearing in mind he's responsible for snapping the ball.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah, centres, again, because they normally got that hand down on the ball again, you're then frozen holding that ball, you can't wiggle the ball or anything like that. The only times where it is actually, you're allowed to make movement is when an order ball is adjusted and even then what you ha- um, what normally happens is the entire offensive line will sort of come up from the squat position, stand up, turn around, listen to the quarterback in an obvious fashion, i.e. the quarterback is not under centre ready to snap the ball. You normally see the quarterback standing up, moving his arms, or moving up and down the line talking to them. Normally such movements where it's obvious that the the, the ball is not ready to snap, those won't get called. I mean, if you suddenly see someone on, on uh, Sunday, you know, an offensive lineman sort of turn his head to listen to the quarterback, Um, They're not getting called because he's not actually Indicatively moving before the snap same as the only other thing that tends to get seen as sort of like Let off is that sometimes you'll have someone in a snap count This tends to be if you've got a center you're in a big noisy stadium tend to be away uh, away teams do this what you'll have is you'll have a uh, a Alignment next to the center. He'll have a hand just on the the center's leg and he'll be listening out the centre will uh, only have to wait for him to tap his leg. So therefore, it's taking that extra job away from the centre in a very noisy environment. So once he feels the tap on his leg, then he snaps the ball. Those sort of little hand movements as he goes to tap the centre's leg, those also aren't called. We're just talking about um, movements that will give them an unfair um, advantage ahead of the play.
0: No worries. Well, I won't get myself started then on how being allowed to tap someone instead of them having to listen to the count because that's the whole point of playing in an away stadium is that the, the crowd comes into play. So the second you then count that by saying, oh no, don't worry, you can just tap the guy's leg to tell him when to snap the ball kind of defeats the object of being in an away stadium and a noisy crowd.
1: Well, he's still got it. I mean, the, the guy who's uh, tapping the centre, he's also got the be able to hear. So if he doesn't hear or he messes that up, I mean, we've seen plenty of snaps go over quarterback's head in our time.
0: Well, that's true particularly in flag football don't get coach started on that, but anyway we'll move uh, we'll move swiftly on then to uh, the final piece of terminology this week, and that is a horse collar tackle. so if you can firstly describe what the horse collar area is and lead that into what a horse collar tackle
1: is. So a horse collar part of uh, the uniform is pretty much the the uniform, the recess. Uh, between the shoulder blades, the, the bit that's literally around the back of your neck. It also incorporates nowadays the material around there, so it's not just literally getting your hand into the recess, it's also the material on the shoulders and in between sort of shoulder blades. That is the horse collar area. Now, if you bring an opponent down through grabbing the recess uh, between their neck and the pads or pulling on just that specific area, i.e. the shoulder area, downwards, to the ground that will basically be incurred of a 15 yard foul personal foul and an automatic first down it's a very big penalty but there's a there's a serious reason why it's a big penalty and that's because it's a dangerous penalty
0: yeah that's what i was actually just going to ask you just to follow on from that is to just to give a bit more reasoning as to why tackling via the horse collar is considered so dangerous
1: all right well it's considered dangerous there was actually something um Back in the 2005, just before the 2005 uh, season, they came up with what was called the Roy Williams rule. Now, the reason this is, is back in the 2004 NFL season, six players had major injuries, and we're talking sort of broken legs, torn ACLs, major damage to the knee sort of thing, those ligaments. Um, four of those six were caused by Roy Williams. Oh, the saf- them- the
0: old safety for the Lions.
1: The old safety, yeah. And then two of these were in one game. Now... These happened to Philadelphia Eagles, Terrell Owens, and um, Eagles quarterback Donovan McNabb. That's the one in the same game. Wow. And Baltimore Ravens running back Moosa Smith and Tennessee Titans wide out Tyrone Koloke. And these guys basically suffered, basically, it's broken legs, um, like I said, bad ligament and sort of ankle and knee areas, the sort of torn ligaments, really damaged, ruptured muscles, and such like that. Because what happens is, as you're pulling them down, it, it incurs them to to land at an awkward position normally using their body weight they would land back on the um the limbs especially in say turf environments there's a big tendency for to legs to get caught in the turf which means they they jerk awkwardly so stuff like the 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 tibia and especially the fibula the little, the, the, the sort of um the smaller bone on the side It's very, very much encouraged to sort of snap that if you get a wrong twist on the ankle. I I know that personally myself. It was considered that this was too much of a risk infringement. So they've definitely tried to make it now that anything from the back do not go for the shoulder or um, either the shoulder material or the shoulder pad inlay recess around the neck and pull people down is just a big no-no
0: nice one thank you very much for that teaching assistant Marcus maybe seem to be professor who knows
1: <laughs> get my degree mm, we'll, we'll, we'll NFL see NFL terminology
0: yeah you can get a degree in that if uh, if professor Bullhawk grants you it, but there may be some very hefty coursework involved <laughs> <laughs> just to keep you on your toes buddy what's up big boy <laughs> <laughs> let's go do- Nice job, way to get us over there babe. I got you, Hey, uh, Old school game, this is our I game right, this I is our kind of game Now we move on to the awards part of our show So our Mr. Ray Lewis And our British. Awards So this week we're going to start again with the Mr. Ray Lewis award trying to give him some love give him three in a row like we did with megatron so who would be your runner-up this week
1: my runner-up is thomas davis linebacker carolina Panthers.
0: ah uh, yeah okay i think we've both gone down a similar nature actually for these uh, for this runner-up by the sands things but yeah carry on
1: no i think he had a really good game i mean to be fair the entire Carolina defense had a really good game in general. I mean, Atlanta, just they're just not clicking. But still, I really like the way they came out. He had five tackles. He had the inception. They literally, they look like a really well, well-held sort of defense. I mean, look at these guys. And actually, the Carolina defense, second in rush defense, 10th in pass defense. You know, the guys are only giving up around about 20.7 points a game. That's 20.7 points a game.
0: Well, that's it. I don't know if you um sort I don't know if you heard uh, Dana's podcast this week, but she was saying as well this last Wednesday that the Carolina defense doesn't seem to be getting the credit it deserves really at the moment.
1: No, no, it really should get a major shout out. These guys, I mean, Newton and the offense has really sort of come alive. Rush defense, I mean, they they kind of down there, they're sort of about 12th, 13th, 14th, that sort of, you know, early teens as far as past the uh pass offense goes. But their rushing um, rushing attack is amazing. I mean, you've got Cam who can use his feet. You've got D'Angelo Williams. So they're actually like second or third as far as rush attack goes. So if you think you've got the second-best rush defense, you've got the second-or-third-best rush attack offense, the guys really actually, I think, they're underrated. I mean, I think it's when you're stuck behind people like New Orleans who we, we're expecting big things from. But they're 5-3 and three as well. You know, let's give them their credit. They really are doing well. They've won the last four. I mean, that's the big swing. They came out... And they were 1-3. and three. Well, Yeah,
0: and the Saints don't so, seem to be doing too well against the AFC East this, this year either because hey. they've now lost to both the Jets and the uh, Patriots.
1: Exactly. I must admit, I, I saw that as uh, a bit of an upset game, really, when I saw Jets winning that. But, um, yeah,
0: but I will the... come on to that. Actually, sorry, dude, before, uh, sorry to cut you off again, uh, just That's purely fine. because before we get too into that game, they may or may not come up in a future discussion within this segment. So... I'm gonna crack on. on with my <laughs> runner-up. Uh, same Carolina defense, but I actually went with Luke Keekley uh, for ah. his eight tackles and his one interception because everywhere I looked, he seemed to be there on defense. He's a real monster in that. He's a tackle machine, as we know, for that uh, for that defense. Say. So. Oh
1: yeah, he, he seems to be another one of those ones who sort of come up where he wasn't a big name, and now he's just making a big name for himself.
0: Yeah, doing a fantastic job. So, what about your winner for the
1: Mr. Ray Lewis Award? I'm afraid to say this, mate, but I've given it this week to Sean Smith, cornerback, Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Oh, son of a...
1: For his amazing... He had his two tackles, but it's the 100-yard touchdown return, which really, in my opinion, swung the game and made such an impact in that respect. Although... Someone's got to teach that boy not to hold the ball like a loaf of bread. <laughs> they all have to learn that when they're that wide open. But literally, I really think he made that. It was, it was the sort of the, the, the switch that, that just turned that game. Unfortunately, it was so decisive. It was like, which way is it going to turn? You guys had the, the progression. You had the, the momentum. It seemed like it was all going your way. And this could be finally, you know, the week that they get upset, like you said. And then literally, he just turned it, flipped it on its head. And for that, I mean, that was such an impact on that game. Keeps him at 9-0. Keeps them with just win column full, loss column.
0: Yeah, not just nine and zero as well, but another great stat got from Red Zone this week and the awesome Scott Hansen, and that is that since the war, uh, Kansas City are the first team to go nine and zero. At the start of the season and keep every single one of those nine opponents to 17
1: or fewer points. There's a stat that, for that, you. That is in ver- incredibly impressive. I mean, we know it's, we know they're all defence at the moment. We know that's how they're winning it. But you know what? Little Birdie once told me that defence wins championships.
0: Oh I wholeheartedly agree. So, for my winner this week... I've actually gone for an entire team defence and I've gone for that Jets defence for the way they played in the second half against New Orleans Saints. They just pretty much just put the Saints offence in a can and said, we'll come back to you when we're good and ready. They got two massive sacks on Brees, two plays in a row. When when Saints were down by a score and um, they just played to so say well I, you, you thought the Saints would get out of it with Drew Brees but no matter what he tried to do the Jets defense were just all over him.
1: Yeah, that was the thing is because they started off so well. I mean the, the the pass to Graham and the touchdown you're like oh here we go. Like I mean it was what fifty sixty yard touchdown yep. to Graham. Just I mean it was like oh this is going to get ugly really quick and then it was like boom. I mean, they went into, what was it, half-time? Like, 20, 2014 or something?
0: It was something um, like that, yeah. I know they managed to get in the game. They got two interceptions and, they us say, those two big sacks as well, all when the Saints were chasing the game.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird, actually. You think the entire second half, not a single touchdown from either team in the second half. Crazy.
0: No, monster defence. Monster, monster defence. So, let's backtrack on that. Then the Mr. Ray Lewis... Award this week goes to the entire Jets defense and also Steve Smith of the Kansas City Chiefs. Disgraceful. Um, Let's move on now to the. award who is your runner up there buddy
1: my runner up this week for having such great impact in his game is going to go to Josh McCown quarterback Chicago Bears you're joking me you're giving it to the bears backup bears backup he hasn't won it for me but at the same time i think he deserves that honorable silver medal basically you've got a backup come in it's the big divisional rivalry i mean these guys, there's never been a rivalry i mean these guys go back to 1924 i mean they are i mean you've got the bears as the winning most team and you've got the at the same time you've got the guys who've won the most trophies in the Green Bay Packers. I mean, these two there's so much history and then you've got to come into this as as the backup. I mean, everyone's expecting you to fail, you're going up against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, it kind of it was weird how the game sort of fell out of sort of contention and you know, the the sort of the gods of football sort of decided to, to play a little um play around with it and make it interesting and it was I, I think the way he held it in kept composed. For a backup to come in a couple games into the season, 272 yards, two touchdowns, a quarterback rating of 90.7. It's it's impressive even for a starter, and I think that he really kept the team. I mean, so many times we see backups come out in and you know the team nosedives. I really think that, like we were saying at the beginning of the show, if anything was to happen, I think they'd, they'd still see themselves out all right, even if McCown has to have a couple more games in charge.
0: Oh, fair enough. Nice one. Well, my runner-up this week, you're not going to like this, by the way, because I've given it to Chris Johnson for his performance yeah, against your Rams. Was really,
1: it was really good.
0: <laughs> I mean, he did. He bulldozed his way through that defensive line, 150 yards, two touchdowns, and he played big when the Titans needed him because Stacey on the other side of the ball was having a great game as well. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, it, it was kind of crazy. I mean, after after a great defensive performance the week before it was kind of it was kind of disappointing to see how we sort of all fell apart and really just didn't really bring anything to the table at all i mean like you said the front seven was just disgraceful um kept locker to under 100 uh under hundred eighty yards or so got two interceptions off him so the pass pass defense absolutely amazing um four sacks so, getting pressure is great, but literally no containment on Johnson, and he literally went back to his old 2K days.
0: That's it, and I think that was his first 100 yard game in 10 or 11 games, I believe. Oh,
1: we had to be the ones to give it away.
0: Yeah, it's horrible when that happens, isn't it? So, how about your winner for the
1: award. I think this week it has to really much go to Nick Foles, quarterback, Philadelphia Eagles. No four you... four hundred and six yards, seven touchdowns, the first person to get it with a perfect one five eight point three quarterback rating. I can
0: see all the reasons behind giving it, but for all the obvious reasons of why I've not given it this week. Ah well as I'm I'm clearly obvious I want to hear your obscure then. Well you're gonna like this perhaps for the first time ever, the... An award winner is an offensive coordinator. Oh, I like, I like. Yeah, and i Show me reasoning. I've gone with Kyle Shanahan for the Redskins because coaching's a simple business. If you're doing something and the defence doesn't know how to stop it, then you just keep doing it. Every time the Redskins got to the goal line, I'm just going to give it to the fullback. <laughs> 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 we line <laughs> up in exactly the same formation. We're going to run exactly the same play. We're going to give it to exactly the same guy. And do you know what? You you can't stop us, so we'll just take the points. And it paid off twice in regular time, once in overtime to <laughs> win them the game.
1: What, what, you mean b- Darrell Young's five carries for... Three touchdowns, accumulating only eleven yards.
0: Yeah, that'd be it. <laughs> and I think his biggest touchdown run was probably about two yards.
1: Um I've got it here as four. So Ooh. Oh
0: four was his longest one, right? Yeah. Brilliant. But I just Our thought his
1: longest, longest touchdown couldn't be more than two,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean I just thought it was a perfect opportunity to break away from the obvious choice of foals and go for something a little bit more obscure. So that's why I went with Carl Shanahan. What
1: do you think? Uh, you know what, that's a great call. Cool, I like the idea about that. You know what, Washington, for all we've said of them, I mean, they might be 3-5, and, and there might be some serious problems, and we're still doubting like RG3 coming back. Still not really looking himself. I mean, we saw him run, at, I think his longest run was about 8, 9 yards. He passed for about 290-odd yards, no touchdowns, an interception. He's not back to himself, but at the same time, I really like what the Washington offense can do. Uh, they got Morris back now. Defense, you know, under the veterancy of like London Fletcher, I, I honestly think they're they're better than what they're giving credit for. I think there's still far too many holes, maybe in the secondary, but I, I think you've got to give them uh, their dues. And like you said, a coordinator. If it's not broken, don't fix it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No need for adjustments there. Just simply, you get that close to the goal line, give it to the big guy, and let him run it across. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally that simple. So. Congratulations then to our award winners, Nick Foles, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles and Carl Shanahan, offensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins. Let's move on now to the Swing Week. And for the first time in a while, I'm going to let you go first, Marcus. Oh, ah, thank you.
1: Well, this week I have gone for a nice little one here. I think you're you quite like. And my swing of the week is Carolina at San Francisco. And I'm putting a nice big 65 to 35 in Carolina's favor.
0: Hang on. You're, you're picking the Panthers to win over the 49ers. Yep. In Candlestick. In San Francisco as well. Oh, yes. Wow. What, what brings this one and on? My
1: re- I watched, I was at Wembley and I watched the 49ers defense. The 49ers defense has some considerable holes. And a team, even like Jacksonville, managed to. So slowly learn to exploit them. Basically, I think that you take the offense that's there. The run game was really important. Maurice Jones Drew really had a really great night. I think the run combination of someone like Cam Newton and D'Angelo Williams is gonna really have a field day. I mean, with this is I said earlier that they got the tenth tenth best pass defense, Carolina, and the second best rush defense. San Francisco coming in with the 32nd, that is the worst. Um, passing offense, but yet the first rushing attack behind the likes of Kaepernick uh, and Gore. So I'd like to see how they come up against the second-best rushing defense in the league. On the flip side, though, of course, you've got Carolina with the second-best rushing attack and the 12th or 13th-best passing attack. Now, the San Francisco have only got the 14th-best pass um, passing defense, and they're actually down at the 22nd as far as rushing defense so I just feel that the favor would go that San Francisco are just not quite last year's team and that Carolina of this year can exploit them if they play it right and I really like the idea of there being maybe like the 10 13 points round about that figure about maybe a two score game maybe that one in the field goal that's the sort of thing we're looking at for this weekend so,
0: are you saying it's a bad week to start Navarro, Bowman and Dante Winter in my fantasy team? I don't
1: know about that. I think they're going to have a lot of uh, play time. I think they're going to be on the field a lot. So, I think a lot of tackles mean a lot of fantasy points.
0: Oh, okay, well, I'll uh, I'll keep them in then and we'll see what happens. So, um, my schwing of the week this week, I, kind of, I thought of two because obviously I wanted to let you go first. So, there's always that awkward moment where you're like, ah, oh, son of a gun, he's got the same one as me. I think I'm going to go with my... Seattle over Atlanta, uh, keeping it safe this week after what happened last week, but I'm going with Seattle with an 80% swing, so I'm looking at 14 plus points for them to beat Atlanta by, purely because Atlanta at the moment, they're not playing anywhere near the kind of football we know they're capable of playing, Matt Ryan doesn't quite look right, I know they've obviously lost Julio Jones and Roddy White, but they... For me, they've still got enough talent on that passing attack that if they used them correctly they could exploit teams. You've got Harry Douglas who's not exactly a sloppy receiver. You've still got the best tight end potentially to ever play the game in Tony Gonzalez. So, And obviously Stephen Jackson now back at running back, so There's more than enough weapons for them to use on offense. Maybe it's their defense that's letting them down but we will see this week against Seattle as I expect them to get absolutely hammered and not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Nice and safe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm good. I can take the risk. I've got the last two. I've got the last two correct.
0: Uh, oh, look at me. I've got mm. the last two correct. Fair play to you, buddy.
1: We all know Atlanta is better than what they are capable of. And I don't know whether or not it's going to be maybe looking at a change of coaching. Because I, I feel they've got, the, the, like you said, they've got the weapons there. No matter, I know it's been a very long war of attrition this year. And that injuries have been a problem all around the league it's been a really nasty year for injuries oh yeah ridiculously so I still still feel there's enough there to compensate with anything that would have happened like you said
0: absolutely so uh, let's move on now so Marcus we're halfway through the season are you happy with the season so far
1: yeah I think the season's been great it's thrown up a load of sort of like um curveballs it's thrown up a, a lot of contentions it's thrown up a lot of sort of comeback stories i mean like the 9-0 and kansas city and i love i mean i love where we are right now if the season was to end today i think it's just a great matchup
0: yeah there's so many teams last year that uh obviously did so well like likes of the texans the likes of the packers teams like that that pr- probably wouldn't get in the playoffs if we ended the season today
1: no i mean yeah you're looking at at the moment I don't know if you've if you got a rundown, but I'll quickly give you an idea of what's going to happen. You're going to take um, the winners, uh, of course, first. Uh, you've got Dallas, uh, Detroit, New Orleans, and Seattle leading their leading their divisions. And then as your wild card, you're actually taking San Francisco and Carolina through for the NFC. Fantastic. And you take your, uh, yeah, AFC. You've got New England, of course, uh, in the east. You've got Cincinnati up north. Yeah, we, of course, you think Baltimore last year, but it's Cincinnati on top you've got uh, indianapolis um, looking quite comfy down there in the south in kansas city sitting pretty on top of uh, the west and then of course your wild cards You're taking in denver at seven and one a oh, wild card it's crazy and then how about this sneaking in thanks to that amazing win against the uh, the saints the jets jets yeah
0: yeah, that's right because I think when I did this a week or so ago I was working out that it would it would be two teams from the west, two from the east and the other two division winners that would go in from the AFC and it's a very similar pattern in the NFC as well, perhaps with maybe two teams from the north, not sure, but um let's like say I with mean, the it, records. It,
1: it, it's definitely possible. I mean, Cleveland have got quite a, a soft quite a soft schedule coming up and if you think they're four and five, they're only one, be- one game behind um stuff like the, the the Jets playoff position yeah well how about Cleveland beating the Ravens this week I mean that's I, 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 that's what I liked about it I saw that Campbell had come in he'd done his thing I thought he could do it I think the defense is really really starting to gel so I, I think Cleveland I, I, I wouldn't call them sort of like I wouldn't go out and put your house on them getting into the, the playoffs but you know what a cheeky fiber if you've got it you never know
0: yeah, fair play. And um, also, as we were just mentioning, the Indianapolis Colts, again, looking strong this season behind Andrew Luck.
1: Yes, I mean, again, that's it's so topsy-turvy. I mean, last year they were having to fight it out with Houston to, to get into playoffs this year. They've pretty much got it set, um, sort of settled themselves. What, if Houston imploding on themselves? I mean, they've lost the last six. They've gone from 2-0 and o to 2-6. and six. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Tennessee is sort of just... Sort of malaise in their way through the season. They're sitting at 500 on 4-4, four and four, um, but I don't really see them actually making a, a big enough push. Um, they've got quite a, a, an iffy schedule. I mean, they've got to go out and play, you know, the likes of, let's say, the West, uh, AFC West at some point, so, you know, I, I, I'm not in favour of that, really.
0: Yeah, when you look at all the divisions, actually thinking about it, bar in the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, the Texans actually the second worst team in the AFC as far as records are concerned.
1: Pretty much they're tied with Pittsburgh at the moment. Uh, Ah, tied
0: with Pittsburgh, there you go, two and six. Yeah, so two teams you would not expect to be in that category.
1: No, I mean the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Steelers just you know, it's been a, a long time since they've been sitting, you know, they've been holding up the AFC North. I mean Cleveland, I mean, they must feel great taking that weight off their shoulders.
0: So yeah, I mean it's great to see Cleveland doing very well, and they've got a bye week coming up now as well, so hopefully everyone can stay healthy, Campbell will shake off the knock he got in the game, even though he did come back in, because the last thing Cleveland need is for Brandon Whedon to get too much airtime.
1: Well, the last thing they need is another quarterback injury, I mean, that's just where they keep seeming to just lose people this year, they can't keep a quarterback healthy.
0: Yeah, let's dive into the important question though, are you happy with the Rams so far this season?
1: Um, I'm happy with the direction that the defense is going. Um, of course, you couldn't have seen Bradford going out. But at the same time, uh, I like Stacey. I think he's a great pickup as a rookie. I mean, we lost, uh, of course, Jackson. Jackson. Um, I didn't think um, Darrell, Reeve, uh, Darrell Richardson could actually um, hold up as a solo back. So you needed he – he's a flashback. I mean, we mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned my flash and thunderback. Yeah, last week. You no, know, he's a flat. He's a flashback. You can't have a flashback just holding up the the entire team. Thunderback. Sometimes you can have a a single thunderback uh, system because you know they're big enough, they're robust enough to take the pound of every sort of down. But um, I think getting you know Stacy is that sort of the meat grinder. It works really well. Like I said, now we, we could really do say maybe with the sort of risks that are associated with. Bradford coming off an injury, I think we should definitely look to say, in a, a QB friendly class of the draft coming out, we should definitely look to to get ourselves a really nice good backup in case he has to ever become the starter. And in, a, in a, just in want a glitch to situation.
0: Just want to tie this in nicely with the substance abuse policy that the league has, and that is that flashbacks, particularly acid flashbacks, are very bad for a team. <laughs>
1: I I no idea that's literally gone over my head. What? Uh,
0: well, the way you were describing Flashback, when you listen to it back, as all the listeners are getting to do now, <laughs> the, way, <laughs> the way you went, oh, he's a Flashback. Flashbacks are very bad for the team. <laughs> the team's all tripping. It.
1: I be- as, as long as I don't become a new um, internet meme, that's fine.
0: Yeah, okay. That, that, I'm sure that'll be fine. And um, Yeah, so... I think the bills uh, we mentioned earlier, I think the bills are progressing quite nicely, tied on the back of how you think the rams are going and um, bills as a team I think are moving forward. The only thing that disappoints me a little is Marone, let's see what you think about this. Marone seems to be stuck still in that college mentality. I think we're going for it a little too often on fourth and short when let's face it, if you're fifty two yards away from the posts. Or, sorry, what would be a 52-yard field goal. You have to kick that field goal in the NFL. You you can't go for it. You have to take the points when they're available. This isn't college. You know, the quality is that much better. If there's points on offer, it's like a a rugby test match. You know, the reason why that England team did so well with Johnny Wilkinson is because every time we got in a scoring position and got a penalty... We kicked the three points, and we kept the scoreboard ticking over, and we put pressure and more pressure on the opponents to a point where they, you know, they tried to play out their own half. They made more mistakes, and subsequently, the England team just then went on and scored tries on the back of all the points that Wilkinson was putting on the board. Or sometimes you would just win a game with what Wilkinson put on the board through his penalties. So
1: you've not even got a bad kick. I mean, you have got Dan Carpenter there, and we know he's got a boot on that boy. So I don't understand some of them
0: yeah i do have to ask what what kicker worth their money in the nfl can't kick a 52 yard field goal
1: it's 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 slowly becoming i mean it used to be the days you hit past 50 and it was like mind blowing nowadays really that benchmark has been put to say a 55 i mean 55 is sort of like the 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 sort of once you start breaking above 55 then you're starting to you know get interesting and now because we've seen some 60 yarders 60 yarder is the wow factor um, now it's really anything sort of under 50 you should be getting anything between 50 to 55 they're looking for like 60 percent that's sort of 55 to 60 yarders then they're looking sort of say you're wanting that 30 percent of the time
0: yeah so would would you agree with that analysis then that as a team moving forward but perhaps not some great coaching decisions but it's his first season in the NFL as well, so I'm sure when he looks back on it, he'll realise his errors and, and realise that you do need to take these opportunities.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've got to remember, I still see a 7-9 and nine year, potentially, out of, the, uh, out of Buffalo at the moment. If, if they play their cards right with the upcoming schedule, they can still be a 7-9 and nine year out of this. That's one away from 500, a rookie, rookie head coach, you do not knock 7-9. and, f- uh, seven and nine. That is a great season
0: well yeah especially with the ones we've been having recently as well so yeah i'd take seven and nine absolutely um plus you look at
1: defensively it's like like the uh the chiefs you've literally turned it around like dress i mean we're talking 100 to 150 percent increase in productivity it's amazing
0: yeah a changing system changing coordinator patine's done a fantastic job and it goes back to what I was harping on about loads last year, and it's that when you actually mix in some decent blitz packages, blitz, 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 and it's just, it keeps the offence on their toes. It's not even just blitzing. If you've got all those different blitz packages, then you can start faking blitzes and uh, getting everyone up to the line and then just putting linebackers back or putting safeties back in coverage at the last minute and just really trying to create the pressure on the opposing quarterback. Yeah. So, just coming back, actually as i covered uh, briefly even though it's a obscure reference to the league's substance abuse policy we have obviously now lost justin blackman to a season well actually he's been suspended indefinitely for another
1: substance abuse violation what are your thoughts yes. on that uh silly boy i mean it was it was said once um listening to actually the the press sort of uh, evaluation of it and the the statements released by jacksonville um, apparently he's been suffering uh, quite a bad alcohol problem, um, led to some silly things uh, during the off season, which of course led to the first four games being suspended. And apparently it's just he hasn't been attending the sort of um, the rehab or the um, the sort of the the sessions developed to try and help him sort of uh, overcome his adversity. And I really think he goes out to, you know, if someone's going to go out and help you, then to accept that help and and try and make a change as as a better person i mean when someone's giving you an opportunity to to help yourself that's when you've got to take it and when you're turning that away you're literally not just hurting yourself you're hurting everyone around you
0: yeah absolutely so just uh a few questions will get you to um even if they're just uh, a one-word answer on this particular one Uh, Are we seeing the return of the real RG3? I know you sort of briefly mentioned that earlier, but do you think he's starting to make a comeback or are you not convinced?
1: Too early to tell. Nice
0: one. Nice and short. Beautiful. Also, what teams have surprised you either
1: in a good or a bad way this half of the season? Um, I have said okay, I'll pick two for good and I'll pick two for bad. Go for it. The two that... The two that impressed me this this, this season so far, one, of course, Carolina. I keep harping on about them. Uh, The other ones are the Indianapolis Colts. The two bad, Minnesota, one and seven. Guys, what's going on? You've got um, Adrian Peterson down there, not using him. Defense, what's going on, guys? Um, The other ones, of course, that uh, I'm really disappointed in is Atlanta just because we know they can play better
0: yeah absolutely well you can keep harping about on about carolina if you like because i know our good friend ej would love the fact that you are so enamored with carolina this year as he, that's where he lives and there is his adopted team over his natural minnesota vikings
1: <laughs> well sooner or later what do you call it that once i stop mentioning them carolina take a nose dive we know how this works cam we know you're listening so i'm going to keep Boosting your ego and you guys are going to keep playing well. The second we stop talking about him, he takes a nosedive. We know how this works. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And we know he
1: listens. We've got your your back, Cam. It's fine. Yeah, and uh, well, he's going to like
0: this next part of the the show we're going to finish off with before we have like a Springer's final thought moment. And that is, I want to finish off with three players who you think will dominate the second half of the season. Now, do you want me to go with the ones I've got while well, you have a moment to think about that? Yep, yeah,
1: yep, yeah, that sounds good. I'll have a little think.
0: Okay, well, they're not really in a particular order to so who I think is going to have the biggest impact on the second half of the season but at number three or the person I listed at number three I've gone with Nickel Roby, the cornerback for the Buffalo Bills. We've seen over the last couple of weeks he's been making big plays. He had his pick six a couple of weeks ago And uh, just his general performance um, as a cornerback coming in when needed through the injuries. He had a big tackle this week as well, stopping a first down. Just absolutely launched himself and it was beautiful to watch. Number two, quite an easy one because he's just coming back off his injury. We've seen his massive performance against Pittsburgh this week. And that's Rob Gronkowski, the return of the Gronk. That's what the second half of the season is going to be. We can even convert the old Mark Morrison song if we need to, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll try not to for now. And lastly, I've gone with Cam Newton for all the reasons that we've previously mentioned. Just his ability to run the ball, the way he's now finding his receivers spreading the ball around as well not just having to rely on steve smith you've got brandon lafell he's been using you've got ted jen jr that they're using there as well so all in all look for those three players to have an explosive second half to the season now your turn mr henson
1: right i will start with number three and i'll go defense like you did and my one is dimitri patterson he's cornerback for miami dolphins i'll tell you why he's been injured the first half of the season but he's come back Last two weeks, he's got an interception in both games against New England. Of course, last, well, this week, against uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. So yeah. I really see him, now that he's back and healthy, really being a solid sort of starter and performer in that um, Miami defense. Um, going into number two, I think another name that's going to make a lot of impact, staying defense because I love my defense is of course we mentioned him a couple of weeks ago and that's Sean Lee who's the linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys oh yeah absolutely he had that amazing game with two interceptions against Detroit the week before that he had an interception like double, double figure tackles he's, he's constantly getting double figure tackles almost the guy is literally really becoming a leader of the Dallas sort of defence and I, I think it's awesome And actually, you know what I'd have to put as my number one? I'd have to put Gronk. I think Gronk being back and healthy has added that other dimension to New England that they've been missing for so long. We've seen the beginning of the season, you know, Brady dropping passes, um, receivers not knowing their routes to run. Gronk's back. I think we'll get some order back in New England.
0: Fantastic. Now, I know we've had a bit of a bumper episode this week as far as duration is concerned, but... You know what it's like when you're just getting chatting football, it just keeps going and going. So we're going to finish off now with Marcus's final thoughts at this halfway stage in the season.
1: All right, so my final thoughts, I'm going to leave people thinking about this. Okay, I want everyone to think, if you can, if there is a 500 or under team that you, you think can make the playoffs still. Hmm. 500 or under team, there's a couple of them still floating around we got the likes of miami you've got cleveland you've got tennessee san diego in the mix you've got people like philadelphia they could have a little bit of a spring up at the last minute washington are they a dark horse you know you've got arizona at four on four could it be them i really want people to start to think about it. As a final thought, underdogs have we got one this year
0: yeah kansas city <laughs> <laughs> they were like the biggest underdogs going into the season but i get your point well um, remember you can get in touch send us an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com you can tweet us at ballhawksnest. Uh, you can message us on facebook www.facebook.com forward slash bullhawksnest or you can leave a comment on any of the pages on our website So that is all from us this week and until next time football fans take care and stay safe.